Well, welcome again to Maranatha. We are so glad you're with us this morning, and welcome to those who are worshiping with us online. Um, we do have our uh, regular offering collection in the back if you're uh, able to participate in that as part of our act of worship, trusting God to uh, continue to meet the needs, and just thank you for those who are faithful in that area. Uh, we have a few announcements. Marriage date challenge. We haven't mentioned this in over a month probably, but this is the final month of the marriage date challenge. If you're newer or visiting and you didn't hear about this, we do have uh, just a challenge for married couples uh, to be intentional in dating one another. And May is the last month of this challenge. We have sheets like this out at the welcome desk. So you can jump in now, even if you haven't participated up to this point. But the goal is to do two intentional dates together and maybe even do like a book study or a video study on marriage to help enrich your marriages. And for every every uh, date that you do together and you turn this in, June 4th, is, uh, so two weeks from today, is when then you can turn this in to either me or at the welcome desk. And then... We do have a few prizes that will be doing some drawings for um, some couples uh, to be able to just a, a fun, fun thing to do to ch- try and challenge us to be intentional in, in dating our spouse. Elder, uh, the elders are sending out, an, and later today, it'll probably be going out in an email, we'll be sending out uh, an email with an amendment proposal for our annual business meeting where we will be discussing, um, or not discussing, but we'll be voting on um, uh, an amendment to the bylaws uh, regarding the, the composition of the elder board. And But we are going to be doing two town halls on June 4th, so again, two weeks from today, and then on the 11th during the fellowship time immediately following this service. So if anyone has questions about those, uh, about that email, about the amendment proposals, then you can come to those. We'll have a time to discuss and answer questions there. Um, again, that's right after service up until uh, about 1040, right before the adult discipleship groups begin. Uh, Men on Mission, Uh, the men's ministry is doing a missions trip sort of thing this summer here coming up in just a few weeks, June 11th through 19th. If you're interested, contact Ben Bay. There's more details in the bulletin on that, but it's a construction project, but you don't have to have construction experience, and they'd love to have uh, more men um, participate in that. It'd be a neat experience to grow together as men. And then this summer, just to be clear on our plans for the summer, um, thanks to Jake for kind of clarifying our plans for the fall um, with going back to two services in the fall, but we're planning to continue our adult discipleship groups. And we're going to be continuing those through the summer as well. Um, But um, today is actually the last day of the Kids and Youth Sunday School, uh, the regular year school year of Sunday School. So that wraps up today. Next week, there's nothing uh, for Memorial Day weekend. There's no adult discipleship groups and there's no Sunday School. But then on June 4th, we'll wrap up the, this round of the discipleship groups. And then for the summer 10 weeks, uh, there's going to be uh, two discipleship groups offered for adults. Um, and youth are invited to join in those as well because there'll be no youth Sunday school. But uh, you can join in the two options for the summer are a, a discipleship group that's going to be looking through. Uh, the title is From Conflict to Forgiveness. Um, that's with Ben Bay and Asher here in the Soul Garage Cafe. Right, so conflict. Working with has anyone ever had conflict in their life? No, I'm the only one. Okay, so if you if you want to work, learn how to gain some biblical skills in working through conflict and learning to truly, genuinely forgive one another in the body of Christ and and others outside of of, of uh, the, the family of God as well. Um, that's a great opportunity. And then the second one, Pastor Aaron is going to be leading in uh, a study on Genesis, and that's going to be in the gathering place over the summer. So that'll begin. June 11th. Those two options will begin June 11th, and they'll run for 10 uh, weeks through the summer. We do have a plan for 
younger kids. So again, no youth Sunday school during the summer, but they are going to be doing. We're going to be doing uh, a kids Sunday school ages two through current fifth graders, um, and that will be. It's kind of confusing because of the way we. But that'll be beginning on June fourth. So nothing next week, but then there'll be options for kids and adults June fourth through. Uh, 10 weeks, 10, 11 weeks on to that. So if you have questions, if I totally confused you on that, um, hopefully it's clear in the bulletin. So uh, we do have a VBS video, and so I'm going to play that, and then I'll come up and just encourage you to get signed up for that. There you go. So, lights, camera, action from James chapter 2. You can go to our website, maranathafree.com, and there's a scrolling banner right there. One of the first things you'll see, you can click on that, and then you can sign up to volunteer. You can sign up to register your children as well. And that's uh, June 19 through 23, kindergartners through those going into sixth grade. Uh, if you are uh, um, a student in, in youth group, I encourage you to help out. And uh, it's one of the, the beautiful ministries that... Um, people of all ages can be a part of putting this uh, wonderful ministry on. So get signed up to help out with that or get your kids or grandkids signed up. And then finally, final announcement this morning is just a celebration. We want to celebrate the, the women's uh, hike in the Blue Hills. Um, I don't know if we have some pictures for that maybe, but uh, we, the, the ladies a couple of Saturdays ago went out um, in the Blue Hills and did some hiking. I understand they found maybe some bugs, maybe some wood ticks. And uh, I heard even a bear and saw a bear and, and some cubs. So um, I think at that point the group did turn around from what I understand. Um, but it sounds like they had an adventure, had some fun times um, being together as, as ladies and just having an adventure and creating some memories together. So if you're not plugged in with the, uh, 
the, the women's ministry, um, they do a lot of fun things like this as well, opportunity to spend time together. So I encourage you to get connected with some of the ministry opportunities that uh, both men's and women's are doing this summer. So with that, I invite Pastor Cody to come on up. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Good morning, everyone. If you can grab your Bibles and go to Philippians, we are in Philippians living for Christ as servants. We are just beginning this series here, which will end in November. Philippians chapter 1. And as you recall, as we talked about the introduction, and even last week, we realized that this letter is a thank you letter. It's, it's, it's an aspect of thanking the church in Philippi for all the support that they have given Paul and his friends, his comrades, in his missionary journeys and to encourage them to be Christ-like. And we'll see that more and more as we go through even this prayer today, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. There's so much about that and even in chapter 4. And we will see that today we have many choices in life. And his prayer is that we would be able to discern and have godly wisdom and character as we go through our life in this world to make the right choices. And we will look at this more and more today and even as we go through the chapters here in Philippians. So we are excited about this. Let me pray before we get in the Word of God. Lord, I thank you that what we have before us is not just a book, it is the book. And Lord, you speak to us. And this is the primary way you speak to us. And Lord, I ask as we go through this beautiful prayer this morning that we would hear from you, that you would equip our minds and our hearts as we walk through this world so we would be discerning, we would be loving and smart and care but also in the end that we would give glory to you in all that we do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 9, 10, and 11. And let me just remind you what we talked about. If you look before that, the few verses before that we talked about last week, he is very thankful. He's in prison, but he's thankful. He's thankful for what they have done and provided for him. And the line I said, be regular in prayer and gratitude, letting God and others know. And he has a couple verses for the setup for prayer. And to have the right setup, to have the right mindset for prayer, we have to have deep gratitude for what God has been doing in our lives, which he expresses, and for what the people have been doing. And he's got these deep relationships and deep partnerships in prayer. And he's got this deep confidence in God in his character, that he will work from the beginning. God's going to be working from the beginning now and until the end. God will be faithful. He will carry it on to completion. God's work cannot be stopped. Amen? And we must be regular in prayer and gratitude, letting others know. So, and I encourage you, again, this is part of what my pastor friend, I've got a friend, Mark Clements in La Crosse, every day he sends me an email of three things he's thankful for. And I remember going, oh man. So what I've done, I've encouraged somebody to do that. How many 
be honest, have written down. I said, in the morning, write down three things, or at night, write down three things you're thankful for. Anyone? I didn't think so. Okay. So I got myself a notebook that stands out in my bedroom. It's by my bed. And what I've been doing has been writing every day. Just three, here's, here's yesterday. They're not these big theological things, but they're just three simple things. Yesterday, I got the basketball hoop up. My daughter's very glad. I was at a retirement party, and I laughed so much. I almost had tears coming out. I was very thankful for that. And in the morning, I was grateful that my two daughters and my wife were willing to get up early, and even myself get up early, to go and serve at Ruby's Pantry. So every night I go to bed being thankful of the things. So I would encourage you, this is a great remedy for some of you that might go to bed and you worry. You have so much on your heart. End the night with gratitude. And Paul begins this prayer with this idea of being thankful. We talked about that last week. Now he moves on to his prayer. Basically, prayer is talking with God. So kids, prayer doesn't, I'm going to give you this definition here that's very lengthy, it seems. It's very Trinitarian. It's, you know, it's, it's, it might be complicated, but it's, it isn't complicated. Prayer is simply communicating with the Lord. Many years ago, we went through a series on prayer, and as we went through Scripture, I said, as we go through Scripture, we're going to define prayer at the end of our series based upon the passages we looked at. So here's our definition. Prayer is an intimate response to God's character with dependence on His will. Again, prayer is not this thing where you just go, okay, I got a prayer request, and what I'm going to do is I've got some things, and I'm going to say, God, here's what I need right now, and you'll answer those things. It's not like we have a pocket full of change. We go up to a vending machine and go, God, here's what I want. I push number seven, and oh, I got my bag of Doritos. Prayer is this intimate response to God's character with dependence on his will. Knowing he powerfully works through Christ by the Spirit. And again, we have different types of prayers in Scripture. We have intercession, we have requests, we have confession, we have adoration, we have thanksgiving. And now as we get to this prayer, this is a prayer of intercession. So let's take a look at verse 9. And this is my prayer. It's amazing how long he just get, builds up before he prays. It's kind of like a preacher that keeps preaching. Okay, I'll get to my notes here. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. His prayer begins with this prayer for overflowing love. He prays that their love for God and their love for others would increase from what they currently already have. He knows that they love the Lord. He knows that they love each other. He knows that they love him and have cared for him. Now he prays that where they're at, that would increase <clears throat> more and more. It would grow richer and richer. They already have this love, 
but he's praying that they would now mature in this love that would be rich and abundant and overflowing. Here's something I realized that I needed to do more this week in my life. I've taken some time being thankful. I've taken some time being prayerful. And I realized, here is Paul. If you recall our first sermon, he started this group of Christians, this church, the first church in Europe. And now this is his prayer for his church. And I realized in my prayer life, I pray for my church. I pray for you corporately. I pray for the different ministries that we have. I pray for the children's ministry. Pray for the youth ministry. I pray for the hospitality. Pray for the buildings and grounds. I pray for the fine. I pray for all. But then I realized, you know what? I need to get more specific in my prayers. So this week I made a resolve in my heart. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start praying some of these prayers that Paul has written for, specifically for his church. So my prayer is that your love would mature more and more as we go through the book of Philippians here. Love here, though, is not the ultimate goal, as we'll see in a moment. Where is this to grow? He just doesn't say, I just pray that you guys love each other. Remember, he's got this, he used a lot of words of affection from his heart, even from his innards, remember? These affections, the, the Greek word there talks about his intestines. We don't write love letters with, with, with intestines. We put hearts on them. But he's got these deep affections. But where is this to grow? It's not just love one another. What is this going to look like? It should penetrate these areas. And I notice that he's got eight words that this love should grow into. It should grow into the extent of his love should be shown in knowledge. Take a look at this passage. In insight, in judgment, in uprightness, in blameless, in holiness, and in praise and in glory. From love, what is needed? One of my professors, D.A. Carson, says this. They needed knowledge and insight to have Christian love, not just a mushy pluralism which the world often confuses with love. And let me explain that a little bit more. Because we say love and the world says, oh, we just got to love everyone. And that means just love them, accept them, and, and just whatever is fine with them, we can do. Basically, in all situations that they are going to be practically involved in, this love is to penetrate in all areas of conduct. Or as he states, in the moral insight of understanding of truth. Christian love is to be accompanied with discernment and knowledge. Let me explain that a little bit more here. When we are characterized by love, we are able then to discern what is best, what is truth, and we're to test and discern that in our lives, what is right. Here's an example. A month and a half ago when I did the funeral for the two officers, we knew that it was going to be raining outside. We knew that a storm was coming. In fact, I was never outside. Oh, I did go outside for a short time, but I was mainly inside, and I didn't know it was pouring in the morning. 
And with a funeral like that, we have the honor guard there. We're going to bring the caskets outside, and the honor guard was going to be there. And, um, and in the afternoon, they were worried that it was going to be raining. And I was like, well, I know a guy who can control that. He doesn't always answer all my prayers. Halfway through the funeral, as we were showing one of the videos, I think it was for Hunter, the honor guard leader walked up and said, if you could extend this a little bit more. I'm already, it's going to be a two-hour funeral, but we've got a storm cell coming, and if you could extend it a little bit more, that, that would be helpful. So I said, okay, I, I can do that. So as I was doing that, I was thinking of ways just to maybe bring it a little bit longer so the storm could pass, because we're going to have thousands outside. And then towards the end, he said, we're fine. We've got it covered. The storm has passed. We're clear. And I was kind of sad, because I wanted to extend it by saying this, and uh, this, this might get some of you here, all right, might offend some of you here in, in, in an okay way. I was talking about Emily and how she cared and Hunter, how he loved and how we're barren strong. And I said, we're barren strong. How are we barren strong? Well, we care for one another. And we do that in our county in, in, in great ways. And then also we love one another. And here's what I was going to say. I was going to pick on, because uh, we, we had people from almost every state of the union there, officers, and I said, we love you, and our love supersedes our differences. And I was going to say, we even had people from Minnesota here who are Viking fans. <laughs> now, a lot of you are laughing because there are many in this room that are Viking. I won't have you raise your hand to embarrass you. I say, you know what? We have differences. We have trophies. You don't. But our love supersedes those differences. And I'm glad that you're not Bear fans, because we even have some Bear fans here. Even in this room, I believe we have two Bear fans. Unbelievable. <laughs> but honestly, my love supersedes our differences. Right? Look at he's raising his hand. Mr. Pinkerton, I love you. My love, even though we have differences, supersedes those differences. You see, we are to have unconditional love, amen? But not unconditional acceptance of everything, of all things. And that might be hard to hear. So Paul is praying that you have love, but have understanding and discernment. Let me give you an example of what that could look like. After the funeral, the county board asked if I would come and pray. They're having their meeting. They switched some stuff up, things up so I could pray and just share a little bit. And in my prayer, this is what I said. I, in my prayer, I prayed and I, I was grateful that Hunter and Emily stopped pure evil. And apparently afterwards, someone was like very upset that I said that that was pure evil. Here's my response to this. And please listen, I'm going to say this twice. When we begin to recalculate our moral compass to call murder not evil, we are in trouble as a society, right? Let me say that again. When we begin to recalibrate our moral compass and to not call murder evil, we are in serious trouble as a society. 
You see, my love supersedes my, our differences, but I will not accept someone saying, well, murder's not evil. So we got to be discerning, right? But also, you can be all discerning and have all knowledge without love and be in serious trouble, right? If you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians 13. Discernment and knowledge without love can be overbearing. Truth without love is abrasive. So Paul's saying, guess what? I want you to grow in this love. More and more, be abounding in love with discernment and insight. So you got to be discerning. Yes, I love, but that doesn't mean I accept everything. But also I need to be discerning with love. Knowledge of good news and the character of God, that is what we need. And our total beings, our hearts and our minds are to be Christ-like. And we'll be talking about this as we go through the book of Philippians. We must be more and more Christ-like. In all types of situations that we're going to get into, we must have love and discernment and knowledge and be Christ-like in our conduct. And we need to be growing in that area. Because the problem is this. We, in the evangelical world, in the Western world of Christianity, primarily America, we're very discerning, we know our truth, and I know so many Christians who know the absolute truth, but they're so abrasive in it. And they harm the gospel because there's not an ounce of love in what they have. Let's be more loving, amen? Even to Bear fans. And we'll see this more in chapter 3 and chapter 2. All right, verse 10. Let's take a look at verse 10. So again, he says, I pray that you would have this love. But love isn't the ultimate goal. I want you to have this love more and more. Then he says, so that. In fact, in the Greek, I've got it here. In the Greek, in some of our translations, you don't see that as well. But he goes, so that, so that twice. In order that. In order that you may be able to discern what is best, and in order that, or so that, you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Here he's praying for what is excellent, discernment of what is best. We need to make choices every day. And some of these choices are very important. I'm not talking about what flavor of ice cream. This past uh, Friday night, we, my wife and I, we did a double date. It was wonderful. We were down in Eau Claire, and after we had this great meal, I said, let's go get some ice cream. And we went to Cold Stone, and I'm not really a sweet tooth, but boy, I saw something was like, I'm choosing this. I, I'm not talking about those type of choices. I'm talking about discernment on the making the best choices pertaining to those that are moral. Loved, shaped choices. Honored by insight and moral insights and love and knowledge. Test what is best. So that's a little phrase I've got. Test what is best. And we'll see this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. How do we know? 
So here, let me, let me bring this down to a couple areas of your life. What choices are you making in your personal life? Every choice we make has consequences. The ice cream I chose had great consequences for my taste buds. The choices you make every day have great choices for your soul, or sometimes if you choose wrong, they can have poor consequences on your soul. Look at your personal life. What are you doing with your time, with your hobbies? When no one else is looking, are you choosing the right moral path? What about family life? More and more this week I was thinking, what are ways I can care for my family? And I was thinking, it's not that I'm a bad dad, but I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm not the best dad. So what are ways I can love and care correctly for my family and foster that? I need excellence in my discernment of what is best with our time. Because I tell you what, as a family, it's so easy to go home. Everyone does their own thing, right? And nowadays, it's so unique. We live in such a unique society where everyone's on their phone or their laptop looking at social media looking at the news not that the people you look many years ago they were on trains looking at newspapers so people were always involved in something but what can we do more as a family or your work how are you known at work how are you known in your community do you live for ethical standards above everyone else? Yes, right? We don't go with the flow of everyone else. Our ethical standard is higher than others around us. Your free time, which I've alluded to a little bit here. What do you do with your free time? Do you just waste time or your public life? Again, how are you known in the community? You know, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, that person's a nice person. Honestly, many people can be nice. Nice is just a general term. But are you known as a God lover, a God fearer, one who loves Jesus? How are you truly known? Not just, oh, he's nice, she's nice. May this be lived out in your life. Then he prays, for the fitness and readiness in their lives for the coming of Jesus. Are you truly ready for when Christ comes? I can't wait for that day. There are some days that I get so broken where I just go, God, come quickly. When I look at the state of our union, when I look at the culture and society around us, which again, it's not a wicked generation, it's another wicked generation. It's horrible. And I long for the day when we are completely free indeed, amen? Free from sin. Are you fully prepared for the second coming? I will never forget, so here's the power of Sunday school teachers. I will never forget Mrs. Gibson. When I was in Hartford, Wisconsin, I was about eight years old, and we were talking about sin. Sin is missing the mark. And we had these little phrases, and I'll never forget this. She said, when Jesus comes back and he found you deep in sin, what would you think? 
And what do you think he would think? And I was just like, whoa. What if I was deeply involved in sin when Jesus comes back? Let's say I've got a, and I don't have a gambling problem. I don't know how to play those kind of card games. Uh, I play Skipbo and, and Uno. And, um, let's say I had this great gambling problem to feed my pizza addiction. I like pizzas. Who doesn't like pizzas? I do have a daughter that doesn't like pizzas. Um, let's say I've got this great gambling addiction where I love just to feed my pizza addiction. I've got, I've got to buy more freezers to put my pizzas in. Just I'm crazy about it. In the midst of my gambling, Jesus comes back. I'm not ready. He's praying so that you will be able to discern what is best and so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Oh, I pray that I would not be in deep grave sin when Christ comes back. Amen. To me, that is a way to discourage me to be in sin. So Mrs. Gibson instilled within me as a little boy, like, you know what? That's one way to cut off sin. I want to be blameless. I want to be pure when Christ comes back. Is your heart and life pure and sincere? Will you reach that final day when he comes back or when he calls you home where you're going to be able to say, because none of us can be completely pure. There's only one man who's walked this earth that has done that, right? But I will strive to be more and more holy. And on that day, will you be pleasing to God? Look at verse 11 here. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he's saying, be pure, upright, be blameless, and filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So his prayer is for the fruit of godly deeds and actions. The outflow from our heart should be righteousness, good things. Truly a righteous person will display certain actions and attitudes to confirm the nature that their heart has been transformed. See, we're saved not by good deeds, but we're saved for doing good, righteous deeds. And out of that should be honesty, kindness, meekness, goodness. Think of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22. 23. That should be flowing out of that. I like how the NLT has this verse. It says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced by your life in Christ Jesus. People should know out of your life. I just love that. Let me read that again. NLT. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced by your life in Jesus Christ. I remember <clears throat> six and a half years ago when I went to the police department, uh, they were asking for pastors to be chaplains. And I remember sitting with the chief and the captain at the time. And it was a very simple conversation. It was basically like, 
do you like cops? Yes, I do. Are you a bad guy? No, and I'm not. And they, you know, they, they check, you know, okay, you don't have a record or anything. Okay, great. You can be a chaplain. I mean, that, it wasn't that easy, but it just seemed that easy. Like, sat for 10 minutes, they're like, you'd be an awesome chaplain. We'd love to have your chaplain. Whereas, to be a chaplain for a state agency, totally different story. I had to get fingerprints and a background check. So I called the person who's going to do the background checks, and I said, so what does this look like? What do you need from me? They said, well, you know, we, we've seen your resume. We see what you've been doing. So I'll be making some phone calls. They are calling everyone to find out what this guy is like, okay? Because under the state agency, they're not just going to be like, do you like cops? You bad guy? No, okay, great. We'll take you. So I've had people come, guess who I got a phone call from? What? They called you also? And one person said, boy, I can't wait to tell them about you. And they just laughed. But when I got a background check, I'm like, they're going to be calling everyone to find out if I'm qualified and vetted to be sworn to be a chaplain under the state agency. What if we did a background check on you? Would you be bearing the fruit of righteousness? Would people, your neighbors, your co-workers, other people that know you, would they say, I don't know about that person? This is Paul's prayer. That you would grow in your love. We're not perfect yet, so we're going to keep growing. And that you would be able to discern and have knowledge so that you would be able to live this upright life. You would be able to be pure, blameless, and have the fruit of righteousness. Paul adds the goal of this to be this fruit of righteousness. Fruit is displayed in our lives that comes from God. It's not on our own work. Notice it comes from the Lord. And it's to, at the end, take a look at the last part. It's to glorify God. In your growth, you are to glorify God in all that you do. Others should see your good deeds and glorify the Lord. Where does that come from? Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says that. The works of the righteous are those that God has prepared in advance beforehand so you're able to do that. We're not saved by works, but we're saved through faith, right? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 then says, and God's prepared works for us to do in advance, fruits of righteousness. And these are the proof of true saving relationship with Christ. And Jesus assures this, that our salvation is real when we see that evident in our lives. So just so you know, let me end with this. Now more and more, as your pastor, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you corporately. I'm going to be praying for you as age groups and as ministry groups and as best as I can. And I do my best to pray for your families individually throughout the week. But now it's not just going to be just, and not that I haven't only done general prayers, but now this is going to be my prayer through the time that we go through Philippians. That your love will increase more and more. That you'll have knowledge, insight, discernment to live out that truth. 
and that you'll be living a life worthy of the calling you have received, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And you'll have some of these words here, blameless, pure, the fruit of righteousness, so that others will see your life, and in the end, what's going to happen? They'll praise the Lord for that. And one way that we can be living this out is as Paul has done. He's writing a letter thanking the people for their involvement in their ministry. So here's how I want to end today. I encourage you, get something that stands out like this stands out on my side of the bed, not my wife's side, but I see this, I go, oh yeah, I got to write my three things. Got to put it in here. Every day, either begin with or end with at least three things you're thankful for. That's what Paul does. Right away, he begins with being thankful. That verb drives that section. And I encourage us as a church, we're gonna, every week almost, every other week, we're going to have missionaries coming throughout the summer. 